Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their worlds. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. The Power of Planning, Part 2. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to be a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, alongside Ron Price. Ron, great to be with you. Boy, this is a great conversation we're having, Dale. I'm looking forward to advancing it today. Absolutely. So uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, this is a podcast dedicated to diving deep into each of the core competencies laid out in The Complete Leader. It's a book, and it's also a very rich website at The Complete Leader. And in that book, there are basically three sections of leadership principles, and within each section, several areas where we as leaders can dive deep into growing the skills uh, that are needed in today's marketplace. And so encourage you to pick up the book if you have not done so already, but this podcast definitely stands alone. And in the conversation today, if you're following along in the book, it is section 1.3 on planning and organization. And give us a quick recap on what we covered during the, the initial podcast on this topic. Well, we always like to start with the definition. So planning and organizing is using a logical, specific process to plan out the future with the idea that if you do that and you do it well, it's going to improve the quality of what you create or you will get better results. You'll be able to achieve those things in the right time frame, and you'll be efficient in your utilization of resources as a consequence. So that's what we talked about in planning and organizing and why we would want to do it. In a way, you could say planning and organizing is about slowing down so that we can speed up so that we actually get there faster when we have a good plan. This is so interesting to me, Dale, because I've, I started setting goals way back in the 70s. And what I've discovered is that setting a goal is sort of interesting and it may be inspirational or motivating. But if you don't convert that goal into a plan where you, you see the pathway and you've got some detail around what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, when you're going to do it, who you might need to help you. If you don't do that, the goal often just ends up being wishful thinking. It doesn't have the kind of substance that's necessary to bring it into reality. So planning and organizing is how you bring that idea, that vision that you have into a practical, uh, executable blueprint that creates the outcome, the desires that you're looking for. And during that uh, podcast, the, the last episode, you gave us a great, very tangible tool in each late afternoon or evening, grabbing a piece of paper, writing out the top five things that need to be accomplished the next day and then leaving that someplace to go back and look at it. There's a great story around that that you really need to go back and listen to to understand the full power of that exercise. But um, I'll just give that as a reminder to, yeah. to listeners. And I think of that as the first step exactly. at developing better planning and organizing skills. But I also think of it as the emergency step when you get overwhelmed. When mm-hmm. you've got too much going on, go back to that because that recenters you around the value of planning and organizing as a skill. A lot of what we've talked about up to this point is about the individual, planning and organizing as me, the individual, correct? Yeah, that's right. And But we haven't finished that conversation. <laughs> One of the exercises... We're not ready to move on? <laughs> no, not yet. One of the exercises that I gave our listeners was to think about the different roles that you have. And there are so many roles. For me, it's father, son, husband, uh, brother, CEO, author, speaker, coach, 
consultant. There's so many roles that it can be a daunting exercise to write them down. But then think about how could I plan and organize around those roles. So instead of trying to cover all of them at first, we develop skills little by little, layer upon layer. So pick the three most important roles and begin to think about how you can plan and organize around how you will fulfill that role at a higher level, how you'll get better in whatever that role might be. So I suggested that is one of the ways that you can continue to develop your um, planning and organizing skills. I think of planning and organizing being relevant anytime you're talking about improving relationships or improving results. But in reality, there are three very distinct dimensions where planning and organizing pays off. The first dimension is in, in learning or in the way that you think. So if you have a plan for what you want to learn, I call it a strategic learning plan. If you have a plan for what you want to learn and it's intentional and you lay out that plan with some detail, I'm going to spend this much time each day. This is the topic I'm going to work on. Maybe these are the list of books that I'm going to read over the next 12 months. But you actually build a plan around your learning you're going to you're going to elevate the results it's going to change the way you think it's going to improve you as a leader because you're planning and organizing around your learning the second dimension is what we've been talking about already that's where you're planning and organizing around what results you want to get so these are my goals this is what i want to achieve and in these various roles and as you build and learn how to continually get more skillful in the way you do this around results, the results will get better. They'll get more powerful. They'll, you'll, you'll be recognized. It, it will give you all of the benefits of being a higher achiever because you use planning and organizing to amplify your achievements. And then the third dimension of planning and organizing, which I referred to indirectly, is planning and organizing around your relationships. My wife and I have been married now for over 40 years. And uh, somebody told me years ago, I have no idea whether it's true, but it really was beneficial for me. They said, the person you married is no longer the person you're married to 10 years later because you've changed and they've changed. And the idea that I got from it was that I need to reinvent my love for my wife. We need to re-explore, reinvent our relationship every 10 years. Well, this is about planning and organizing. So what do I want our relationship to become over the next 10 years? or maybe over the next year. So it's planning and organizing around a relationship. And this isn't just true with your family. It's true with the people that you work with, whether they're, it's your uh, supervisor or your peers or your subordinates or your customers or your vendors. All of these are relationships that if you become more intentional in planning and organizing, you're going to create better quality, richer, more productive relationships as well. So it's how we think, what we do, and how we relate, planning and organizing skills can enhance all three of those dimensions. I'm thinking about a one-word summary for all of this, and the only word that comes to mind is intentionality. Yeah, it really is. Planning and organizing helps us to become more purposeful and more intentional in the way that we expend our energy, our focus, our resources. And I think this is so important today because there are so many options out there. There, I refer to it as noise. There's so much noise out there. And I'm reminded of something. I, I don't remember who it was that said it years ago, but they said the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs> and that's what planning and organizing helps us to do. So during our last conversation, the previous episode, um, we brought up the concept of prioritization. 
uh, as a way of, of to manage the options and our time and our focus and our resources. And we said that's an entire podcast on its own. <laughs> so this is our this is our conversation Here we go. today. Prioritization. Lead us lead us through what that means, how to incorporate it, how to how to build it in our lives. Yeah. So it is a key concept when we talk about planning and organizing. Because to prioritize is to recognize that not all things are equally important, that some things are more important than others. One of the things I often talk with executives about who show me a long list of projects that they're working on is I say, you know what, if everything's important, then nothing's important. So prioritizing is making judgments about which things are going to be more valuable in either the way that we learn, what we do, what we accomplish, or how we build our relationships. And I go back again to um, something that a lot of people have written about, a lot of people have taught, but I love the simplicity with which Stephen Covey taught it in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. When it comes to organizing things correctly, his habit that he refers to is first things first. And, and he talks specifically about two different dynamics that we have to think about when we think about prioritizing. It's the battle between the urgent and the important. So I think developing a clear definition of each of those terms helps us to begin to understand how to prioritize. So I think of something that's urgent as something that I feel the pressure that I need to get it done now, or I need to get it done in a pretty quick period of time. So I'm usually thinking within 24 hours or no more than a week, there's a sense of urgency. I've got to get this done. On the other hand, the term important, I think of as being described as, will I care a few years from now whether or not I did it? Down the road, will it have mattered? And if I won't care about it two or three years from now, it's probably not important, even though it might be urgent. And this battle between urgent and important urgent and important is really something that we all wrestle with every day. And I think that if you can begin to see which things you're working on because they're urgent versus which things you're working on because they're important, and admittedly, sometimes they're both, this is a way that we begin to prioritize more effectively. So Covey identified four quadrants of ways that we could think about this. So let's just talk about those a little bit. Absolutely. You know, what you just said, it reminds me of something that I heard, that if you don't create a plan, somebody else will create a plan for you, and it will definitely not have your best interest in mind. Yeah, another and, another way I've heard it stated is that if you don't create work on your plan, you'll end up working on somebody else's plan. Exactly. And yeah. that's where I think a lot of that comes, because the urgent is usually connected to somebody else. Somebody walks into the office and says, I, I need to get this done, or I've got this problem, help me solve it. And that becomes the urgent of the moment that is basically uh, being created by somebody else. I think you're right, Dale. I think there's one other thing that falls into the urgent category, and that's when you haven't addressed the important over time. At some time, it elevates to becoming urgent. So if I don't take Very care true. of myself, now I have a heart attack. Now it's urgent. <laughs> yeah. But in many cases, it's because I wasn't doing the important all along the way. And in fact, most of chronic disease that we experience today is really lifestyle disease. It's a consequence. I know genetics does play into it, but more and more we recognize that the genetics for chronic disease are not as important as our lifestyle and the decisions that we've made. It's a great example of urgent versus important there. 
So this first category, this first quadrant that we look at are those things that are both urgent and important. And there are things like that. If you have a customer that is, uh, needs something immediately, they're in a crisis and they're a significant customer of yours. They're urgent and important because you, there's a pressure to do something for them right away. And you'll care three years from now whether or not you did it because it will have a big impact on whether they're still a customer or not. The lifetime value of a customer. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, or it could be an employee that has an immediate need. So urgent and important should be a part of every leader's life. It just shouldn't dominate what we do with our time. So that moves us to the next quadrant, which is those things which are important, but they're not urgent. So actually planning, I think, fits into that category. Planning, we don't normally feel an urgency to do it, but it is important because planning and organizing our work is going to raise the quality of the work that we do. Professional development would be another example of that. Maybe nurturing relationships outside of immediate needs. isn't. These are all examples of things that are important, but we might not feel a sense of urgency about them. And then from there, we go to the quadrant, which is called urgent and not important. So it's the things we feel the pressure to do, but in two or three years, we won't care whether we did it or not. hate to say it, but I think a lot of email we get fits into this category. We feel this urgency to check it off the list, to to get it out of our inbox, but in three years, will we care? So these are things that fall into this category that's urgent, not important. And I can tell you that this category is the great deceiver because everything that's urgent tells you it's important. And you have to be the judge to sort out truth from fiction when it comes to what's urgent, but not important. And then the fourth quadrant that we look at is not urgent, not important. And none of us want to admit that we ever spend time here. But I'll tell you that the biggest reason why leaders end up doing things that are neither urgent nor important is because of burnout. It's the way that we escape. It's the way that we cope with stress. So it's watching TV that is doing absolutely nothing for us. It's usually because we're tired and we see this as a form of relaxation and renewal. It it may or may not be that. I guess if it is that, you could say it's important. But many times we, we, we go on these rabbit chases on the internet chasing down this fake news or these crazy stories. And these are things that are not urgent. They're not important. And the first reason we get ourselves caught there is because we're worn out. We have not renewed ourselves. And this is a way that we're vulnerable to those things when we're not being more intentional. The second reason people end up caught in the not urgent, not important is because they've lost a sense of purpose. They've lost this drive, this motivation, this this is what I want to accomplish with my life. And so they become somewhat complacent or aimless. And so this becomes a place to hang out because of course, nothing is important. Nothing is urgent when I've gotten to this point where I've lost all motivation. Okay. You're giving us a lot to think about here, but let's, um, let me, let me just give you one other idea about this. Cause if you're wondering and, and what I know is for me, urgent is so loud that I constantly have to work at separating urgent from important. And one of the ways I do it is I keep a time log. I just create a piece of paper with four columns, actually five columns. The first column is the time that I'm entering. And then the next four columns are things I'm doing that are urgent and important, important, not urgent, urgent, not important, and not urgent, not important. And every 15 minutes or so, I'll enter the time 
and I'll write down what I did the last 15 minutes and which of these categories it was in. It gets me to self-reflect throughout the day. How much time am I spending in urgent and important or any of the other quadrants? I actually participated in a research study about this years ago with Stephen Covey. And uh, they were tracking a lot of our time to see how we were spending our time. And in their study, which I don't think is uh, necessarily a guideline for everybody, but it was interesting. But they found that the most high-performing managers would spend about 35% of their time doing things that were urgent and important. 65% of their time doing things that are important, but not urgent. And they tried to stay out of the other two boxes as much as they could. So again, I don't think this fits everybody's role. It doesn't fit the way everybody should be organizing their time. But I always think of it as, as sort of a standard for me to think about. And the reality is most of us have that flipped. Most of us think we're doing pretty good if 65% of our time is urgent and important and 35% of our time is important, not urgent. And I used that for years to evaluate the way I was planning and organizing and then executing on my time. And I kept striving to get closer and closer and closer to that 65% of my time doing things that are important, but not urgent. I, I think to this maxim that nobody can fool me like I can fool me. Yeah, absolutely. And this time log is a great way for me to get clarity and facts around uh, that I'm not fooling myself about how I'm spending my time and planning and organizing. And for many years, I did this twice a year on paper where I would track my time for two weeks, twice a year. And then I'd go back and look for time wasters and I'd look for how am I balancing this relationship between urgency and important. Today, because of apps, I use an app from a company called T-Sheets tsheets.com and I pay a little bit each month for it but I can track my time through this app electronically and it gives me graphs it gives me pie charts that shows me how I'm spending my time so this is another great way that you can identify how you're winning this battle between urgency and importance all right so let's uh let's talk about some habits and how we grow the skill well, so what we've done with Covey's models is we've separated urgency from important, but we haven't yet prioritized the important. So how do you prioritize the important? So you've identified all these things that you're convinced you'll care about them two or three years from now. Now, how do you decide which of those is more important than the other? And I use a, a fairly easy system of prioritization to do that. It's called ABCD. So I label everything on my list that I've identified that it's important as an A, if it's critical to my survival, meaning if I don't do this, some aspect of my survival is at risk. My career, my health, my relationships, my finances are going to be at risk if I don't do this. I label it B if maybe it's not critical to my survival, but it sure is really important to my success. It's going to get me where I want to go. Then I label it a B. I label it C if it's something that has some limited value, some limited importance, but I don't see it as being primary to me ending up where I want to end up. And then I label it D if it is obvious that it has no importance or if I'm not quite sure what the importance is, I put it into the D bucket. So now I have all these things that I said were important and I've sorted them by critical for survival, important to success, limited importance, no or unknown importance. Now I look at everything that I have in the A bucket and surprise, surprise, there are not many things in that bucket. 
There are only a few things that are critical to survival. But what's there, I now put a number next to it. So it could be A1, A2, A3. And I do that all the way through. B1, 2, 3, 4, 5. C, 1, 2, 3. Once I get that done, Dale, I more or less ignore the C and Ds. Because I know I'm not going to get to them. I focus on the A's and the B's. Now, I might look at the C's and the D's monthly to see whether any of them have been realigned and they move up to a B. But I spend 80% of my time working on the A's and the higher B's because that's how I keep the main thing the main thing. Fantastic. All right. Any final words, any final thoughts, words for us? Well, let's remember that it's not about getting perfect. And in the last conversation, I ended by encouraging our listeners, just think about getting 10% better. Think about building one new habit around planning and organizing that's going to develop your skills. And we know that a habit is when something's easier to do than it is to not do. And I'm reminded of the psychologist, William James, who gave us this beautiful formula for creating a new habit. He said, first of all, start right away. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it today. Secondly, he said, start it with force, start it with emotion, start it with commitment, decide it's worth it for me to develop this new habit because of what I'm going to get out of it. And then the third thing he said is don't allow an exception to this new habit to occur until it's become second nature for you, until it's become firmly entrenched. So think about getting 10% better start today. Don't wait until tomorrow. Keep doing it and doing it with force, with motivation, reminding yourself why it's worth doing it. And don't quit doing it until it's harder not to do it. That's the way you build a new habit to improve your planning and organizing skills. Fantastic. Now, in reading the book, I know there is more to talk about in this area of planning and organizing. So we're going to have one more episode focused on it. Give us a preview of what's to come. Well, everything we've been talking about so far is about how I become better at planning and organizing myself. And I've, as I said, I've been working on this since the 70s, and I still don't think I'm an expert on it. But in our next conversation, we're going to talk about how do you use planning and organizing skills with a team to create better results both for yourself and for the team. So that's what we'll focus on. Fantastic. All right. If you have not done so already, be sure you are subscribed to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. Uh, Super easy. And then each and every week when a new episode is released, you are one of the first to get that episode. We have one more conversation around this concept of planning and organizing from the book, The Complete Leader. If you haven't picked up that book, we encourage you to do so. And you can find more resources, videos, and evaluations, and assessments, and surveys all around this idea of growing our leadership competencies. And that is at thecompleteleader.org. Learn more about Ron Price, his work, and what he can do for your company at price-associates.com. This is the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Thanks for listening to the Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org.